Well, Mother's Day, of course, is a very special day, and I came across some quotes last week about mothers that I thought you might enjoy this morning. Some of them are a little bit serious and some of them a little more funny. One of them said, mothers hold their children's hands for a short while, but their hearts forever. Abraham Lincoln said, all that I am or ever hope to be, I owe to my angel mother. Now, a lot of us feel that way, and that's a great quote by President Lincoln. Mark Twain said, my mother had a great deal of trouble out of me, but I think she enjoyed it. Now, I kind of like that one. <laughs> Somebody said, the most remarkable thing about my mother is that for 30 years, she served the family nothing but leftovers. The original meal has never been discovered. So... <laughs> That's pretty good. And then somebody said, thanks for everything, Mom, and please forgive me for years 13 through 21. <laughs> so <laughs> that's pretty good. I saw a poll last night on television that said the top two things that mothers all across America want. They interviewed lots of moms all across the country. The first thing mothers said they wanted today was a meal that they didn't have to cook. And I thought that's pretty good. I know when my brother and I got old enough to drive, on Mother's Day, we used to, after church, would always go by Kentucky Fried Chicken and get my mom, and all of us, Kentucky Fried Chicken, biscuits, potatoes, and all that. As we've, of course, grown up and gotten older and gotten jobs and saved a little money, we've upgraded from Kentucky Fried Chicken to Jimmy Chonkas, and that's what we'll be having today, all the fajitas that she can eat. But anyway, the lady said, more than anything else, we would like a meal today that we don't have to cook, and number two, we would like to be able to take a nap sometime this afternoon. So if you're celebrating with your mom today, maybe you can help her by, by giving her those two things. But, you know, as I thought about Mother's Day, it's such a special, special day. On, on Mother's Day, we think about the influence that our moms have had on our lives. We think about the strength of a mother. We think about the faith of a mother. We think about the perseverance of a mother. You know, we just can't help but think about the lessons that we've learned from our moms through the years. And today, all across the country, preachers will be preaching a special Mother's Day sermon. And most all those preachers will take a mother from the Bible, and that will be the sermon. Some today will preach on Jochebed, the mother of Moses. Others today will preach on Hannah, the mother of Samuel. Some will preach on Ruth the mother of Obed. Many today will preach on Elizabeth, the mother of John the Baptist. And some today will preach on Mary, the mother of Jesus. Now, the names that I've mentioned there kind of form the, the mountain peaks of motherhood as we read about them in the Bible. But today, I want us to think about a mother that's a little bit less known. She probably won't get much attention in pulpits across the nation today, but there are nonetheless some tremendous lessons that we can learn from this lady. Her name is Hagar. She's not as familiar as the others, but she teaches us a great deal. So if you have your Bible this morning, if you would open it, please, to the book of Genesis, the very first book in the Bible, chapter number 16. We're going to be looking, beginning our study today in chapter 16. A little background on Hagar. She was Sarah's maidservant. You're familiar with Abraham and his wife, Sarah, and you know that they were unable to conceive, unable to have children. And yet when Abraham was 75 and Sarah was 65, God made a promise that they would become parents. 
Time went by. Ten years went by, and still they had no child. And so Sarah goes to Abraham and says, look, I know God made us a promise, but it's not working out. We don't have any kids uh, yet, and so maybe what God wants us to do is to take matters into our own hands. So I've got an idea. What I want you to do is to go in to Hagar, my maidservant. Interestingly, Hagar was an Egyptian lady. And Sarah said, Abraham, I want you to have sexual relations with her, and then she can conceive, and she can have a child on my behalf. And so Abraham uh, agreed to that, and... and uh, Sarah went to Hagar and explained the plan to her and, and gave Hagar to Abraham, and they had relations, and sure enough, uh, she conceived, and she gave a son to Abraham. And so that's the background on Hagar. Now, as we think about Hagar's life, I want to make four very quick observations of her that I think will help us to be able to relate to her no matter where we may be in our own lives. Certainly, there are many moms here today. There are many others of us here today who are not moms. And so we wonder, does the Mother's Day message have anything to do with me? Well, yes, it does. First of all, in chapter 16 and verse 4, we learn that Hagar was an imperfect person. She was an imperfect person. After she had conceived and, and become pregnant, notice what it says. So he went into Hagar, that is Abraham went into her, and she conceived. And when she saw that she had conceived, her mistress, that is Sarah, became despised in her eyes. In other words, at this moment, Hagar is looking down on Sarah. And Hagar is basically saying to Sarah, I have the baby in my womb, not you. It will be me, not you, who provides Abraham with a child. And so we see rudeness coming out of Hagar. We see pride and snobbery coming out of Hagar. All that to say that she, even though she's the mother we're studying this morning, some tremendous lessons to learn from her, she was an imperfect person. And I think we can all relate to that because we're all imperfect. The second observation I would make of her is that she was living in less than ideal circumstances. She was not the only lady in Abraham's life. Look in verse number five and how the plot thickens a little bit. Then Sarah said to Abram, now this is before his name is changed to Abraham, my wrong be upon you. I gave my maid into your embrace, and when she saw that she had conceived, I became despised in her eyes. In other words, she started looking down on me. The Lord judged between you and me. So Abram said to Sarah, indeed, your maid is in your hand. Do to her as you please. And when Sarah dealt harshly with her, she fled from her presence. And so now Hagar, now she's imperfect. We've already seen that. But now she's being mistreated. Now, Sarah is being very rude to her, and we see that she's living in less than ideal circumstances. We see, and see if you, in your life and in your family dynamic, if you ever experience any of these things, she's experiencing jealousy, conflict, strife, resentment, and anger. And so she's living in less than ideal circumstances. And then a third observation I would make about Hagar, she felt like she didn't fit in. You talk about the third will. I mean, this is the ultimate third will. Abraham and Sarah are married, and now 
Hagar is pregnant with Abraham's son, and yet she feels like even though I'm going to give birth to Abraham's son, I don't really fit in here because Sarah uh, was his first wife and his, his true wife, she would be thinking, and she's just thinking, I don't really fit in, and I feel like a third wheel. And eventually, she lost all hope, and we'll see that in a few moments. So, I'm just giving you that background to say, as we think about Hagar, as we think about now, how can, what do I have to learn from her? How can I identify with her? Well, I think we would all agree that we are imperfect. If you believe that, say amen. I think most of us would say we're living in less than ideal circumstances. If not in our home, certainly in the world, we're living in less than ideal circumstances. And there are many people here today and many listening at home who would say, John, I'm living in less than ideal circumstances within my own family unit, within my own home. And then there are others here today who would say, you know what? I don't really feel like I fit in in life. And as a result of all this, Maybe you would say, I'm not hopeless, but I can just feel hope draining out of my life. Now, you know, as I've thought a lot about Mother's Day and what I would preach about today and what we'd be thinking about today, I know this, for many people, Mother's Day is one of the happiest days of the year. You get to spend time with your mom and have lunch with her and have a prolonged afternoon and, and you celebrate her and the families together. And, and so there are many here today who would say, man, Mother's Day is one of, the, one of the happiest days of the year. But did you know that on the other hand, Mother's Day for many is one of the hardest days of the year. And for those here today who would say, hey, for me, it's one of the happiest days of the year, we need to be sensitive to the fact that for many other people, Mother's Day is one of the most difficult days of the year. For some of you today, and I'm not going to call names, but for some of you today, this is your first Mother's Day without your mom on on the earth. Your mom has gone to heaven since last Mother's Day. And for others of you, your mom went to heaven many years ago, and yet there's something about Mother's Day that it's just hard for you. It's, it's not like it used to be when your mom was still on the earth. We have others in our service today, who many, many, many ladies here today, who would give anything to be a mom, to be a mother. And yet, for whatever reason, they're not able to conceive. Others here today who want to be a mom, they probably are able to conceive, and yet they're not married yet, and so they're waiting on that before they have children, and, and so they're kind of feeling, man, maybe I don't really fit in with this Mother's Day celebration. I was listening to KSBJ on Friday night, at Christian radio station in Houston, and the two hosts were talking between songs, and one of the hosts said, you know, my mom went to heaven several years ago. And he said, ever since then, Mother's Day has been a very difficult day for me. He said, on Mother's Day, I celebrate my wife, the fact that she's the mother of our children. I celebrate my mother-in-law, the fact that she's the mother of my wife. But she's, he said, there's something about Mother's Day and not having my mom with me that makes it a very difficult day. And he said, I'm blessed. My mom, he said, my wife and my mother-in-law kind of give me permission on Mother's Day, maybe not to be at my best and to be a little bit reflective and a little bit melancholy and even a little bit sad. And then the two hosts, as they were talking, they said, you know, Sunday's Mother's Day and there will be many Christians, many people who are in church every Sunday who because of the sadness that is brought about by Mother's Day, they don't go to church today. And I understand that. For some here today, what's making Mother's Day difficult for you is you are a mom and you have lost a child. And so on Mother's Day, you're conflicted and you're, you're, you're sad and yet 
you are in church today, and God bless you for that. But what I'm saying is that for many people today, Mother's Day is one of the happiest days of the year. For others today, this is one of the most difficult days of the year, and people have all different kind of emotions, and we need to be very sensitive to that and not just assume that everybody is celebrating today and that everybody is happy today. And then there's another category of women out there that I want to re- mention today and I want to honor today, and that is the single moms. You know, we have a lot of single moms in our church, and I want to just say for what it's worth, from my perspective, the only thing harder in life than being a mom would be to be a single mom. Because the single moms have all the responsibility on them, the financial responsibility and all the other responsibilities. Some of you moms this morning, this could be true for moms that are married and also it could be true for single moms. Maybe it's maybe a little more true even today for the single moms. You got up early this morning, you dressed your children, 15 minutes later, you dressed them again. And then 20 minutes after that, you dressed them for the third time. And then you got them in the car and buckled them in their little seats and brought them to church. And you've got them in the uh, nursery now or in the children's area now. But I want to say to the single moms here today a couple of things. First of all, you did right by having your baby. And second, to all the single moms today, you have a very special place in the heart of God. And you have a very special place in this church. And we salute you and we honor you today for what you are doing. And so what I'm saying, and then you've got those of us who are men. I mean, none of us who are men are mothers. It's not possible for a man to be a mom. Write that down. That's one of the most profound things I've ever said. What did you learn from church today? I learned that a man can't be a mom. I don't know where our preacher gets this knowledge that he has. But, you know, I think we come to church, they were like, well, what does this sermon have to do with me? Well, we're fixing to get into it. I'm just kind of setting the table today. I'm saying all of us, men or women, moms or non-moms, old or young, single moms, married moms, happy moms, sad moms, wherever we are in life today, we can all relate with to Hagar on this point. We're all imperfect. We're all living in less than ideal circumstances. All of us sometimes feel like we don't fit in in life, and sometimes we feel like, for one reason or another, that we're about to lose all hope. Now, the question is, does God today have a message of encouragement for those of us who feel like Hagar felt? Well, the answer to that is yes, and I want us to think about that this morning. First of all, we see that when we're feeling like Hagar felt, don't fit in, I'm an imperfect person, my world's not perfect, I'm losing hope, we discover some things. The first thing we discover is that God finds us wherever we are. Sometimes we feel like nobody notices us, or you may feel like today nobody sees you or understands what you're going through today. But I'm here to tell you that God knows what you're going through, and God finds us wherever we may be. Now, in Genesis chapter 16, that's where we are, I want you to look at verse number 7, because this is an interesting, interesting verse. It says, now the angel of the Lord found her, that is Hagar, by a spring of water in the wilderness by the spring on the way to Shur. So Sarah has spoken harshly to Hagar and Sarah has run her out of the house. And so now Hagar is on the run and she has left where she was living for these years and she's out in the wilderness 
And uh, she's all alone, but notice what it says. The angel of the Lord found her by a spring of water in the wilderness. Now, the next part, by the spring on the way to Shur. Now, let's think about that for just a moment. When we read in the Bible, first of all, the wilderness, we think of a lush place, beautiful trees, green, you know, wild, you know, just beautiful bushes and trees and fruit and all these things. That's what we think of when we think of the wilderness. The, the word wilderness in the Old Testament could literally be and really maybe should literally be translated desert. The place where Hagar was was not lush and green with green, trees and fruit. It was the desert. And she is out there in the middle of the desert and she's on her way to a place called Shur, S-H-U-R. Interestingly, interestingly, the word Shur means wall, W-A-L-L. And that city was probably named after the fact that a wall had been built. Shur was right on the Egyptian border. And Hagar is going back to her home in Egypt. And so she's in the desert and she's headed towards Shur. And have you noticed in life that many times when we get in a desert experience, a dry experience, a difficult experience, that is often when we make some of our most unwise decisions. Many of the sins that we commit are committed in the desert when things are difficult and when things are dry. And many times we want to just go back, or go back to what we used to have and go back to what's familiar to us. But so here she is in the desert and God finds her. Think about where he found her. Not only in the desert, he found her as she was headed to a place called Shur, which means wall. Here's one thing I've noticed in life. When we're in the desert in a dry season in life and we begin to go in the wrong direction, because see, Sarah had told Hagar to leave the house, but God had not told her to do that. God wanted her to stay. And in fact, we read in the very next verse that when God spoke to her, look in verse number eight, God said, Hagar, Sarah's maid, where have you come from and where are you going? She said, I'm fleeing from the presence of my mistress, Sarah. And the angel of the Lord said to her, return to your mistress and submit yourself under her hand. Then the angel of the Lord said to her, I will multiply your descendants exceedingly so that they shall not be counted for multitude. So God says, go back to where, go back home. You don't have any business out here. Go back to Abraham and Sarah and I'm going to bless you there. But think about where she was. She's in the wilderness, in the desert. She's going in the wrong direction and she's about to hit a wall. Sure because there was this huge wall, the Egyptian border. Many people, and maybe today you're in the desert, and maybe you don't know which way to go, and maybe you're beginning to make some bad decisions, and maybe you're going in the wrong direction. And God is saying to you today, through his word and through me, that if you don't turn around and go the right way, there's gonna come a point out there where you're gonna hit a wall. You're gonna hit a dead end, and it's not going to work out for you. And so God finds us wherever we may be. Another word of encouragement that I find as I think about Hagar's life, and that is God hears our pain as well as our prayers. We know that God hears us when we pray, but did you know that God hears you when you hurt? Look in verse number 11. This is a tremendous verse that teaches that point. Genesis chapter 16 and verse 11. And the angel of the Lord said to her, behold, you are with child and you shall bear a son. You shall call his name Ishmael. Now watch this. Because the Lord has heard your affliction. Doesn't say the Lord has heard your prayer. 
It says the Lord has heard your affliction. And that says to me that God hears our pain as well as our prayer. Sometimes when we're in pain, when our hearts are heavy, when we're out there in the desert and we can't even put our feelings into words, only a sigh, God hears that. Let me show you another verse out of the book of Psalms that talk about our pain. The psalmist said to God, you number my wanderings, put my tears into your bottle. Are they not in your book? And so every time we cry and hurt, God hears that. As well as hearing our prayers, God hears our pain. And then God sees our situation. Look in verse number 13, because this is another tremendous word of encouragement for us today. It says, then she called the name of the Lord who spoke to her, you are the God who sees. You are the God who sees. And I want to say to every person listening today, the person who says, John, I'm living in less than ideal circumstances. <laughs> I mean, man, I just feel like this Mother's Day, everybody's celebrating. And for me, this is a hard day. And I just feel like I don't fit in quite as well. And I'm beginning to lose hope. I want to say to you today that God sees your situation, that God knows what you're going through, and that God knows how you feel, and that you are not alone in that. We have a family here today that is very near and dear to my heart. And um, I received a text message from the wife and from the mother this morning telling me that they were coming to the service. The Lester and Sheila Barker family, they're seated to my, seated to my left this morning with their two daughters, Heather and Brianna. And last Sunday after the services, I went back to my office. In fact, I went back to my office between services and I heard some of what had happened and I didn't fully understand what had happened until after the second service when I called the family and had a conversation with them. Lester and Sheila, longtime members of our church, have three children. Not only do they have their two daughters, Heather and Brianna, but they have a son named Brad. Brad grew up here in the area, a very athletic young man, went to Sam Rayburn High School, graduated in 1998. He came through the student ministry in the world of Sam Rayburn High School, Uh, as did the girls about the time I was the student minister here. And so I've known this family for a very long time. Very tragically and unexpectedly, last Saturday night, when Brad went to bed, went to sleep, his heart stopped beating. He never woke up. And he went to heaven in the 42 years of age. And so last Sunday afternoon, I called the family and I was learning what had happened. And you talk about just in shock and sadness this past Thursday, we had the service here for Brad in the church and celebrated his life and opened the Bible and tried to comfort the family. But when I got the text message this morning from Sheila saying, John, we're coming to church today. I was still at home when I got that text message. And I just tell you, that did my heart so much good. You know, a moment ago I was saying that Mother's Day means different things to a lot of people and all of us have different emotions. You know, I want to say this. You come to church on any Sunday and we sing the songs, we worship the Lord, we give our tithes and offerings, we speak to each other, we encourage each other. And then the preacher, whether it's me or my dad or somebody else, we get up here and preach a sermon. But friend, listen to me today. Sometimes the best sermons aren't preached from this pulpit. Sometimes the best sermons are preached from the pew. And to me, the best sermon today is being preached by Lester and Sheila Barker and their daughters, Heather and Brianna, who in the midst of their sadness have said, you know what we're going to do? 
What we're going to do on Mother's Day, we're going to church. On Mother's Day, we're worshiping God. On Mother's Day, we're thanking God that our son Brad is alive and well and in the presence of God. And I can't help but believe today, and I hope I'm not embarrassing your family today. I can't help but believe today that when God looks down, God says the best sermon's not coming from the pulpit. The best sermon's coming from the Barker Row back there today. And we want to honor you and recognize you today for your faithfulness for the fact that you're in church today. The Lord has given and the Lord has taken away. But you know what? He just took Brad home. And one of these days, we're going to see him again. Amen. So there's a beautiful example of a family who's, this is a different type of Mother's Day. And yet here they are in the house of God. God sees what they're going through. God knows how they're feeling. God, they're probably not even able right now to articulate prayers, to put their words into a prayer. But God hears their pain. God hears their affliction. And what is true of them is true of you. And it's true for all of us. God sees our situation. I want to say this to you today. God knows where you are. God knows what you're facing. God knows how you feel. God understands every dynamic that you're going through in life. And God is right there with you in the midst of all of it. And then the third or the fourth word of encouragement I would give for all of us today, and that is God provides for our needs. God provides for our needs. Now go to chapter 21 because this to me is where the story really gets interesting. By this time, Hagar has given birth to Ishmael and uh, he's a teenager. He's 13 years old by now. Genesis chapter 21 is taking place 14 years after the account we just read in chapter number 16. 14 years later. And now in chapter 21, Sarah has finally conceived herself. And she has given birth to Isaac. And so now the promise that God made 25 years previous has come to pass. And in verse 8, we read Isaac is a baby, and it says the child grew and was weaned, and Abraham made a great feast on the same day that Isaac was weaned. And Sarah saw the son of Hagar, the Egyptian, that is now, you're talking about a blended family. You talk about some ill will and challenging situations going on here. Sarah saw how the son of Hagar, the Egyptian, that is Ishmael, whom she had born to Abraham, was scoffing or laughing or making fun of little Isaac. Therefore, she said to Abraham, cast out this bondwoman and her son, for the son of this bondwoman shall not be heir with my son, namely with Isaac. And the matter was very displeasing in Abraham's sight because of his son. But God said to Abraham, do not let it be displeasing in your sight because of the lad or because of the bondwoman. Whatever Sarah has said to you, listen to her voice. Don't all you wives out there wish that your husbands would do that? Whatever Sarah says, you do it. For in Isaac, your seed shall be called. Yet I will make you a nation of the son of the bondwoman because he is your seed. So Abraham rose early in the morning and took bread and a skin of water or a bottle of water and putting it on her shoulder, he gave it and the boy to Hagar and sent her away. Then she departed and wandered in the wilderness of Beersheba and the water in the skin, the water bottle was used up. 
And she placed the boy under one of the shrubs. She's out there in the desert now and they don't have any more water. Then she went and sat down across from him at a distance of about a bow shot. For she said to herself, let me not see the death of the boy. So she sat opposite him and lifted up her voice and wept. She's thinking, "My Ishmael's going to die. We're both going to die, but he's younger. He'll die first. We can't survive in this heat with no water. And God heard the voice of the lad. Then the angel of God called to Hagar out of heaven and said to her, what ails you, Hagar? Fear not, for God has heard the voice of the lad where he is. Arise, lift up the lad, and hold him with your hand, for I will make him a great nation. Verse 19, then God opened her eyes, and she saw a well of water. And she went and filled the skin or the bottle with water and gave the lad a drink. So God was with the lad, and he grew and dwelt in the wilderness, uh, and he became an archer. He dwelt in the wilderness of Paran, or Paran, and his mother took a wife for him from the land of Egypt. And so out there in the desert, I mean, talk about less than ideal circumstances. Now Hagar, you're talking about a single mom. She has become a single mom raising a teenager. And she's in the desert and she's out of water. And she's thinking he's going to die and I'm going to die. And in verse 19, we read that God opened her eyes and she saw a well of water. That says to me, I want you to listen very carefully to this next statement. In your desert, wherever it may be, there is water. There's water in your desert. Now, that water doesn't come in a well. That water comes in a person. Jesus is the water. He is not only the bread of life, he's the water of life. And Jesus said, he who thirsts, let him come to me and drink. There's water in your desert. Now, again, as we think about Hagar, and as we think about her desert and her situation. It may be today, and probably is today, that you say, you know, there are a lot of things about Hagar that I can relate to. I'm living in less than ideal circumstances. Sometimes I feel like I don't quite fit in. And sometimes I feel like I'm losing hope. (laughs) My circumstances may be different from Hagar's, but I have that much in common with Hagar. Well, friend, I want to say this to you today. In the midst of that desert, And here was my prayer last night before I went to bed and the thought that was on my mind. If in the midst of that desert today, if God would open your eyes and help you to see that there is water in your desert and that water is available to you in the person of Jesus Christ. But as God is opening your eyes and helping you to see that the water that will quench your thirsty soul is not coming from a well, it's coming from a person, it's coming from Jesus. But if God would also open your eyes today and help you to see that you too are an imperfect person. You know, the water of life, the water of Christ, the water of eternal life and and salvation is only available for those who will admit that they are imperfect sinners who have fallen short of the glory of God. And we all have. The Bible says, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. The water of life in Jesus Christ can only be consumed by those who, first of all, will admit their sinfulness and ask God to forgive them and save them. So we think about Hagar today. Listen to this. Living in less than ideal circumstances, most of us say we can relate to that. Felt like she didn't fit in, 
At times, we, if we're honest, we can all relate to that. She eventually lost hope. Sometimes we feel like we're losing hope. But how about the first thing I said? She was an imperfect person. She was a sinner. Has it ever dawned on you that you too are an imperfect, sinful, fallen person in need of God's grace, his mercy, and his forgiveness? And maybe it's just dawning on you now that that's true. I'm asking you today, would you be willing to admit that sin to God, confess that sin to God, ask Jesus Christ to come in your heart and forgive you of your sins and make you a Christian? And I'm telling you, if you'll do that today, he'll come into your life. And Mother's Day 2022 can be the greatest Mother's Day you've ever had in all your life, no matter what's going on in the family dynamic, because this could be the day that you receive Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. Amen.